On today's episode, I will be speaking with Bob Worsley, founder and CEO of Zenihome. Zenihome is a new age housing company that is trying to create affordable, design-centric housing to meet the vast housing gap we have in the United States. Zenihome is currently raising on WeFunder with over $8 million committed to the current round. A few things that are really interesting about Zenihome are first, the founder, Bob, is actually a very seasoned and successful founder and operator. In fact, you may remember Sky Mall from way back in the day, the in-flight magazine that was in every seat pocket. Well, Bob was actually the founder of that business. It's a pretty wild story and one that's worth learning about. But focusing in on his current endeavor, he and his team have already started to operationalize the business and are currently raising capital really to expand operations to meet the significant demand they are finding for their homes, including cities and municipalities that are looking for more options to quickly produce more affordable housing. Lastly, something that will be drilled into you as a startup investor is to always look for businesses playing in massive market categories. Well, you can't get much bigger than the U.S. housing market. In the U.S. alone, there is an estimated 3.2 million home shortfall compared to demand for housing, meaning there is a pretty unending backlog of opportunity to capitalize on. Moreover, in 2024, the U.S. housing market is estimated to be $94 trillion. In short, Zenny Home is playing in a vast category with tons of room for upside. So with that, let's get on to the show and welcome our guest, Bob. So, Bob, to kick it off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? I am a serial entrepreneur that started as a CPA with Pricewaterhouse. Back in 1980, actually, I started uh, with Pricewaterhouse. Um, and in 1989, I started SkyMall, the in-flight shopping catalog. That kind of got my, uh, at 35 years old, I was really super happy with that experience. We, I was there 13 years. We took it public. Uh, I was named Entrepreneur of the Year because of that uh, business in Arizona in 1999. Um, so that was uh, that was kind of got me kicked off, and then I took the proceeds of selling Sky Mall to Rupert Murdoch uh, in his organization. Uh, I ran the company for two years for them, but uh, I took the proceeds from selling to them, and I bought a public company called New Mexico and Arizona Land Company, took it private. Uh, in that process, our family office now owns a million acres of minerals and 100,000 acres of fee land uh, from Albuquerque to uh, Barstow, California. And then there's a huge fire in Arizona, so we started a biomass business uh, to clean up the forest. So we built an $80 million biomass plant. We run that today. We're contracted through 2035 with SRP and APS for power for 28,000 homes using roughly 100 semi-loads a day of wood chips uh, that we thin from the forest to prevent the forest from burning. So we'll thin the forest uh, to make it firewise. Uh, then I was asked to run for office um, and I ran successfully in six elections and served three terms, primary and general, uh, three terms in Arizona Senate in a 1713 kind of Republican majority and worked really well with both sides of the aisle. I'm kind of a pragmatic centrist kind of guy and worked with uh, Governor Brewer, Governor Ducey, and became really best friends with Katie Hobb, who's the governor now. 
had lunch, had uh, dinner with her last week. In fact, alone, he and myself and my wife had a really nice visit. Uh, she loves doing it, and uh, so it's kind of fun to know all three governors really, really well from my political time. I started a number of other businesses, helium exploration, potash exploration. Uh, we have uh, uranium assets in our mineral estate as well. Um, we have leases for solar and wind projects on our land. And then after I retired from the Senate in 2019, I decided I had one more startup in me. At the time, 64 years old, I said, I've got another one in me. I can fill it. And that business is Zenny Home. And that's what I'm doing now. And we're trying to create the uh, Tesla of home building, a factory built homes. And uh, that's, that's what we're doing. It's a very exciting business. So first, um, I just have to back up. And um, I feel like Sky Mall is like a cultural icon of like, I don't know, what the 80s, 90s, would you say? Like, I remember yes. hearing about Sky Mall. I was a little kid. And like, even then, like Sky Mall stuck out to me as like a thing, right? That everyone knew. Uh, I just have to hear a little bit about what the inkling was to create Sky Mall, and what do you think was behind it becoming so successful? Well, the success came from uh, 25 years of being in the seat pocket on 96% of all flights in America. And it just became iconic, like Coca-Cola. And because of that exposure to 500 million passengers a year uh, for 25 years, I think it had a brand that was probably bigger than the business really justified. Uh, so it was one of those things where you know about it, but if you really look under the covers, it was a $150 million per year revenue business that made about $10 million a year, which is a relatively small company. But when we went public in 96, by 98, we were a half a billion dollar company. Uh, again, I think because of the brand, and uh, today that would be a unicorn, all on the back of really not that much revenue and not that, not that much profit. So it was iconic. It, the brand became kind of a Coca-Cola of what you expect when you sit down on the, at, on the airplane. And uh, it was on, in fact, Netflix is considering running a series on it. And so we, we did eight hours of filming last month. Uh, and I have a little three-minute clip of what uh, they're kind of circulating inside Netflix to decide if they want to do it. The three-minute clip is just chuck full of Jay Leno and all these people talking, jokes, movie clips, songs that were written, country western songs that included Sky Mall in it. I mean, it was remarkable that it became such a, an American iconic name. So cool. We, we might have to have another episode on that sometime, but let's hop back into Zenny Home here. Um, so you decide to found Zenny Home. We know a little bit about what it's about, but can you dig in and tell us what inspired you to want to start this company? And what is it that you think really makes Zenny Home unique, right? Because there are other companies out there starting up companies like this, but mm -hmm. tell us what makes Zenny Home unique. We are taking the approach that with technology today, you can build a house like a car using especially the advanced technology to build EV cars. The, the internal combustion engine factories are a little bit older and the brand new cutting edge factories are EV. That could be Lucid or Tesla or um, BYD or any of the big uh, players in the EV space, Rivian. Uh, if you look at their factories, they, they're pushing the envelope to like the latest and greatest. 
So we are not looking at other home builders or factory uh, manufactured homes companies at all to kind of model ourselves. We're looking at those factories and we're hiring people from those factories. And so we've got an offer out successfully in Austin at the Cybertruck facility to get one of their startup guys because we want to skip all the nonsense and go right to where the puck is going. And we believe a steel building, not a wooden building, is part of it. We think that the modules should be, should be the size for shipping logistics, the size of shipping containers, maybe playing with the height so that it feels a little taller, but putting two units together so you're living in 16 feet wide at least. Um, and then the other thing is we think technology on the inside of the home is very much changing there's a company called Bumblebee, a, comp a company called Ori Living and out of MIT. And so MIT spun out Ori Living uh, in 2015, and we're the largest buyer of that furniture and designed a home around it, which allows a, a king-size bed to come down in your living room and make it a beautiful uh, master bedroom at night. And then a, a wall that opens and it's, got, it's hiding a, a walk-in closet. And you're able to live in a smaller space and it still feels amply big and spacious for living. And so those kinds of things uh, allow you to have no changes in your floor plan, just like you wouldn't change as a cyber truck on the assembly line. It's insane that we're still changing in factories today uh, plans like snowflakes so that every home that comes off the line is a little different. That doesn't happen in advanced manufacturing you 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 can do colors um, you can do leather or cloth <laughs> but there's only a few things you can do on the version of the car um, that uh, would not screw up the assembly line so we're we're doing that we're holding firm we're telling architects we can't make changes we're not going to put in another bathroom here and we're not going to change the kitchen and add an island here uh, we're going with standard one bedroom standard two bedroom and then we're putting extra steel in the walls so that we can stack them 75 feet in the air. We're currently building a five-story over concrete podium project in downtown Mesa, and that is blowing everybody away. We have 90 homes on a half acre, and then if you do the math, that's 180 homes an acre. That's unheard of in terms of density, and it's because the home is so tightly planned and well-designed that you can put a lot of homes on one floor plate of one story of a building. We're really getting a lot of interest. We've got over 40,000 units in a pipeline from developers, apartment developers, light tech housing, low income housing, um, workforce housing projects. Uh, Navajo Nation wants a thousand units. Uh, FEMA wants units for the fire in Lahaina on Maui. Um, so we're working with them. And then there's a senior center in Honolulu on Oahu that wants 144 units. So we're, we're really excited about the interest. And it's really multifamily, 80, 85% of our interest. And then there's a little bit of ADU in your backyard, Casita, ADU in the backyard. And I think most of our competitors are just going after that business. And we think that that's not a model that will make money ever. It's just too much work to get all the things done to put one unit in one backyard. It's a nice little ancillary business, but if that's going to be your core business, you'll never make money. 
you know, there there's a housing shortage in the United States that's actually pretty significant, and I don't know if a lot of people realize that. Um, obviously, the housing category is probably one of the largest uh, market opportunities in the United States. But if you drive around, right, I, I think most would argue <laughs> what they largely see is just normal homes, not these kind of new age homes that, that you guys are designing. What do you think it's going to take to bring things like Zenny Home, these kind of new age, modern, modular, you know, small homes and make it kind of mainstream to the masses? We know that almost all markets, this $2 trillion a year housing market in America, if you look at it carefully, the people at the bottom is are by far the largest piece of the market. And right now, housing is unaffordable. You have a $6.5 million, million home shortage. You have prices that have tripled since uh, 2000. And you've seen mortgage rates over double in just the last 12, 12 months. Traditional construction methods will not solve this. And so we're trying to break the paradigm of how we build homes, how we think about homes. You really need all this single purpose room space in the house that makes a big house. And if you make a house smaller, it can be affordable. So our one bedroom is $90,000. Our two bedrooms, $125,000. And if you look at those prices, you can't touch that with a stick built home. So, Chris, I think the answer is this will happen because we're so far under the starting price of a stick-built home that there's going to be a demand and real interest in this. And if I can build an apartment building at $250 a door when all stick-frame apartments are $380, $400 a door today, um, there's going to be a massive request and desire and demand for our homes. So we're not worried about demand. We're worried about execution and delivering what Elon Musk called, um, you know, production hell, uh, where he had to sleep on the floor of the factory to get his business off the ground and, and really get past that, that break even cash flow break even point. Once he passed that, everyone had to take him seriously. And as you know, Tesla's worth more than all the traditional automakers combined. Uh, but that took uh, pushing through production hill, and that's where we are now. That's where we're going to be for probably two years just executing. It's not going to be a demand issue. It's going to be execution. I really want to get into that just quickly. If we think about the, um, the demand side of things, it sounds like one of the ways in which you're thinking about scaling this business is less the let me sell one-to-one, -one, you know, you want to buy a house, I'll sell you a house. Instead, it's oh, this group wants to build 180 homes, let me sell it to them. Now, you mentioned a few groups, and I'd love to hear more about them. And then I'd also love to hear a little bit more about, you know, will you eventually be selling to people like, you know, Toll Brothers and all these big housing companies, or does this become the housing company? No, I think people that will sell to Lennar and DR, DR Horton, we're talking to, to some of them already. Uh, we're talking uh, extensively. In fact, we put the founder of Invitation Homes on our board a couple months ago. And so their CEO and their co-founder is very much in connection with us. They have 100,000 homes that they bought to rent, 27,000 homes in Florida, uh, 17,000 homes in Southern California, 10,000 homes in Phoenix, Arizona. So they're in 13 states, 16 cities. And just think about it. If you were in the business, Chris, of buying a home, 
and renting it. That's your business. That's what they do. Uh, American Homes does the same thing. They've got almost 100,000 homes. If you could drop in another rental unit in the backyard, you've already paid for the land, you've already paid for the other home. Think about what happens to your rental revenue, in, your income. And so for us, they want to do 20 homes this summer in California and then do 20 homes in Phoenix and just work out the bugs, working through the city of Phoenix, uh, working through uh, San Diego, Los Angeles. And once we get that figured out, I mean, think about that. There's 100,000 homes out there in front of you, 27,000 homes in Florida. So that's what we want to focus on, not onesie, twosie, B to C. Somebody dials us up and says, hey, I love a tiny home. I want one of those in my backyard. We will do some of that, but that's going to be what we call filler uh, orders that if we have a big job and it's a thousand homes or 500 homes and there's a bit of a lull before the next apartment project takes off um, that we can fill in some ADUs uh, during that down piece or um, we're running one shift and we could run two shifts. You could run the second shift doing ADUs, but we think anyone that's building a business model on B2C is going to fail. To go back to the uh, the execution component, so obviously it all comes out, you know, great ideas are plenty, but executing on it is really hard. And what you're talking about is very, very hard. To produce en masse homes uh, is not an easy thing to do. I'd love to hear more about the production facilities you've built, the things you've put in place to make the processes capable, and what more do you need to do to really be able to scale into the demand that you're seeing? Well, we will have um, four factories. Uh, that will hit within one trucking day 90% of North American population. That's Northern Mexico, United States, and Canada. Those facilities will be in uh, Page, Arizona, our first facility, which is currently up and running. Um, Moses Lake, Washington, we have a site up there. Probably Bryan, Texas, uh, or Kansas City, they're kind of vying with each other for the that facility. And then something that will hit the East Coast, uh, either Eastern Kentucky, Western West Virginia, um, maybe North Carolina or Atlanta area. Um, from those facilities, we'll be able to ship roughly seven or 8,000 homes a year per facility, which is roughly a billion dollars per factory. The factory today that makes the most homes per day and is the most modern is the Autoball facility in Boise, Idaho. It came up five years ago. And they build five homes a day. The reason they build five homes a day is that the architects keep sending in new plans every time a new project gets done. So they're changing the line and getting all the team, you know, oriented around a new set of plans. We will not do that. Uh, we will turn that business away all day long to Autoball, Geardon, Nashua, Factory OS. They do that. And we'll turn that business over to them all day long. We want volume and we want sameness, just like a car factory. And so that's how we're going to get to 25 to 30 homes a day. And we have a digital twin designed by the Swedes today that in 300,000 square feet, we can build a factory that'll do 25 to 30 homes a day. That's five times more than the largest factory in America today. And that's because they're smaller and they're the same. And uh, that's the secret to getting to that kind of volume. Is there a lot of automation and kind of robotics involved in this as well, or, or is it just standardization practices? It's not standardization alone. It's both. 
the robots want to know exactly where to go screw in a screw. They, they need to know exactly where they're doing a spot weld. And if you're changing the plans, you're just making it really difficult to, to get into a good flow of quality, quantity, and speed. So we are all about standardization, but that's so that the robots can do their job. On the logistics side of things, how are you getting these homes to where they need to go? We sell the units at the factory um, to developers um, and to Native American tribe, whatever. And so they get craned onto a semi. They look like going down the road. If I can show you pictures, they, they look like they're just a shipping container going down the road. Uh, they're not over the edges at all. So there's no permits. There's no flagging. There's no pilot car. It goes any road. Any road a semi can go down. The homes can go down that road. 40 feet long maximum. So they can go on a train. They can go on a cargo ship, uh, container ship. Um, we designed this so that logistics are, are easy. Once they get to the site, uh, cranes should be waiting. And typically about eight homes a day can be set with one crane uh, or eight homes on a multifamily project um, per day. And then the truck uh, puts the tarp back on it and heads back up to pick up another unit. So it's that simple and there's about a week of work on the inside to take the mate line and do the finishes and waterproofing of the mate line, get the furniture situated because they come, every home comes fully finished and furnished with cladding and all the furniture. And that's revolutionary as well. Um, so that's, that's how it works. And we have a general contractor that is responsible and has a contract for the whole job and insures it and has builder's risk and all that stuff. How many homes right now are you delivering per year? And where do you see that going with the current fundraising you have in place? Uh, this year we did about 20 homes um, and it was all of it toward the end of the year. Uh, we were doing a lot of prototyping and we'll do 500 homes in 2024. And then that number will be about 1500 homes in 2025. Um, once the factory that we're adding to our existing factory that's automated is finished, we'll be able to do about seven or 8,000 homes a day out of page. That'll cover all of Southern California, Nevada, Salt Lake area, clear down all the Phoenix market, Denver, uh, and New Mexico. Uh, we can do roughly one a day. We'll get to three a day by the end of this year. That's how we'll get to 1,500 homes this year. And then we'll get a full production year the year after that uh, in our current facility while we're building our large 300,000 square foot automated factory. Once that gets up, then we will build 7,000 a year from that facility alone, uh, plus another thousand or so from the current facility we're in. So with the funding you're currently raising is a large amount of it basically focused on kind of upgrading or expanding the, your current production facilities? It's really not. It's just uh, to, we, we're raising 25 in a series A. We've raised 10. By the end of the year, we'll have 10 in the door uh, next week. Um, and then we've got commitments into the next 15 uh, that'll come in in January. So that is intended to get us from startup to cash flow positive in the factory, working capital, just inventory and ramping the, the business. Uh, the factories will be built completely 
in an, a Propco Opco model. So if you and I were dentists, we would maybe have a dental practice in a building that maybe a family, uh, one of us has a family office that owns the building and leases it to the practice. That's a Propco Opco model. Each of the factories will be fund financed. Uh, the first one's almost all financed now. We have a uh, 80% loan guarantee from a USDA loan. We have uh, the Navajo Nation willing to put up some equity for the for the first building uh, because we're creating jobs, 500 new jobs. And uh, then we have new market tax credits of about $9 million that uh, have been allocated to us. So we'll build the first factory uh, with that capital stack. And then the other three will be built with a similar capital stack um, that will then, that entity will lease the building and operations to us and we'll operate them. Well, Bob, for those who, you know, are thinking about investing, interested in what you're up to, what's kind of your, your last pitch to them, why they should get involved now? If you have affordable housing in your heart or it, you need it, <laughs> if you're a first time home buyer or a couple downsizing, um, people are talking a lot about affordable housing and I, I kind of divide the groups into four groups. People are just talking about it. There's a lot of people like that. The second group are providing services. So I have a lot of wealthy friends that are giving money to homeless shelters and feeding the poor, you know, feeding those who are unsheltered, etc. And that's a nice thing to do, but tomorrow you got to do it again. Um, the third group of people are actually building a few affordable housing units, uh, but they're the money goes so fast, Chris. I mean, in Los Angeles, the last uh, facility they built was a million dollars a door. So, I mean, even if you have $40 million to throw out, that's 40 roofs. I mean, 40 homeless people. That doesn't touch the 40,000 that are homeless. And so we fit into the fourth group. And the fourth group is how do we change everything so that we can actually build something affordable and actually put 30,000 units into the whole US marketplace per year because we rethought how you size, how you furnish, and how you build something that's smaller, therefore more affordable, and then bring it at scale to the market. And now you're really making a difference on affordable housing if you're bringing 30,000 homes at doors a year into the market. Now you're helping every major city, every major state, um, and that's the group we want to be part of, not the other three. Go to WeFunder backslash uh, Zenny Home. We're the number one uh, company raising money on WeFunder today. So we'd love to see you there. It's only a minimum of $250. Wonderful. Well, thanks again for that. So yeah, go check them out on WeFunder. Have a wonderful day, and thanks for listening. <laughs>